Well, we did it, Lance. We hit 100 episodes or issues. Yeah, congratulations, man. Yeah, thanks you too. So you know how all comics will do special covers for milestone issues? Yeah, absolutely. Well, in honor of the 100th issue, I've got this roll of tinfoil that I'll cover myself with. Oh, gosh, that's that's great. Okay, there. How do I look? Like you're ready to prevent some aliens from entering your home. <laughs> Thanks. Should I cover myself in foil too? Oh, no, of course not. Uh, don't be silly. I've arranged for your wife to cover you in prismatic glitter. Go ahead. Oh, oh, geez. Honey, why? Oh, it's in my eyes. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we are celebrating our giant size 100th issue. We did it, Chris. What a number. We're in the triple digits. I did not think that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, this this has been really a fun side project and then it became a thing and then now it's like a whole it's taken on a whole life of its own and uh, I'm really proud of what we've done and what we've uh, accomplished and I I I mean I feel like we're just getting started like we've just scratched the surface really of so many characters and I've learned so much and laughed and met cool people because of this and many of which we're going to hear from today on the episode to celebrate our 100th issue we wanted to bring in Many of our very good friends that we made along the way of this podcast, we couldn't have celebrated without them just because their their friendships and support has meant so much to us and some of the people we've actually been able to meet in person. And it's been so much fun just helping to grow this little corner of the nerdy podcasting comic book sphere. Again, thank you so much to everybody that participated in this issue. So it's really just going to be kind of a, a Q&A issue. A lot of them I had to think along and hard about and just making sure I was like, I better make sure I get this right. And it's silly because it's it's just comic book stuff. But like I, I was putting so much work into this and my wife's like, what are you working on? I'm like, it's really important. <laughs> <Do> you <understand?" laughs> But, uh, you know, I mean, it is it's uh, it's just this is the kind of things that you would have conversations at the bar about or you know at the couch and and you're just talking with friends and talking about nerdy conversations and i feel like that's when our show is the best is when we just kind of go off on tangents and and have all these hypothetical you know questions about characters and stuff so uh let's get into it we we got a lot of questions to answer uh and thank you again for everyone who listens to the show and I hope that you enjoy this one. And I've hoped that you've enjoyed uh, every other show that we've done. And starting off real hot is actually a question from your son. Yes, my son, Calvin, I, I told him that we were doing our hundredth episode. And I said, all these people wrote in questions. And he said, well, I have a question for you. And I said, OK, what's your question? And he said, what Nintendo character should team up with Superman? I thought, well, that's a pretty good question. So like, 
and I asked him, I said, so, so any just Nintendo video game character? And he said, yeah. So I thought about it and I said, well, I'm just going to go real basic and say, you know, Super Mario, I think would be a good team up with Superman. And from a story perspective, there could be some cool things where Superman gets some, you know, flower power ups or maybe he touches a mushroom and gets bigger and you know, shrinks down, you know, becomes a little squat Superman and or or, you know, Mario discovers that he touches kryptonite and instead of getting weaker, he gets some sort of, you know, kryptonite power or something like Mario gets the power to kill Superman or n- not necessarily <laughs> like that hurts Superman, but it turns it into something different because Mario is Mario is somebody that is a hero that takes something that I think his superpower is he takes something that you wouldn't assume is like a great thing and turns it into something, a flower, a mushroom, a floating block, you know, a, a question mark. You know, he he always turns things that are mundane into like, whoa, this is amazing. You're you're a raccoon that can fly now. He would touch kryptonite and potentially just, you know, find some sort of hidden ability, I think. What about you? What what Nintendo character would you pair up with Superman? I picked Toad. Because I just want a character <laughs> that uh, cannot do anything relative, remotely close to what Superman can do. Good job, Superman! <laughs> but I want this whole story to be revolved around Superman doing things so quickly that everyone just thinks Toad is a superhero. So it's just like an uplifting story for Toad. He can feel like he's doing all these amazing acts. And just for a day, Toad can feel what it's like to really be a superhero. Super Toad, yeah. I think it would just be an adorable story. So... Toad yeah. is my choice. Plus, I always pick him for uh, Mario Kart. So, oh yeah, Toad is pretty great. Rep, rep <laughs> my kart driver. <laughs> Alrighty, well, let's jump straight into our first submitted question. Hey, hey everybody. everybody! This is Chris Hacker, and this is Aaron Knowles, and we are the hosts of the Oblivion Bar, a nerd culture podcast. And we wanted to hop on here and congratulate Lance and Chris for 100 episodes of the Comic Book Keepers. We've been best friends with the Comic Book Keepers since the inception of the Oblivion Bar, and we are proud to help them celebrate this milestone episode. We also had a couple of questions we wanted to throw your way for this 100th episode. Firstly, we'd love to know how the Comic Book Keepers formed initially. Yeah, and also along with that, we'd like to add in a fun comic book-centric question uh, if you two were writing a series individually uh, at one of the big two and uh, you had the choice, who would be your cover artist for that series? Ooh. Yeah. Once again, congratulations to both of you for hitting this amazing milestone. And we look forward to another 100 episodes of the Comic Book Keepers. Bye-bye. Bye. We have been friends with Chris and Aaron literally since we started this podcast. They were probably the first comic book related podcast that we connected with and have been friends ever since. It's been so much fun to have both of our shows grow and to learn. And it's been a blast getting to know them. And just a massive shout out to to Chris right now. He is it's public knowledge. He talks about on his show. He is currently uh, just started a round of chemo. He is battling cancer, and he is just an absolute beast. We love you, Chris. Uh, you are going to demolish cancer. Like, if anyone could beat it, yeah. it's Chris. Punch it with the right hand of doom, sir. Now, Chris. Yes. 
with that initial question, we, we do have an, an episode, our issue zero kind of recaps the origins of comic book keepers. But really quickly, how would you like in just a few sentences? What would you say how we started? Well, Lance and I became friends through a gaming group, uh, mutual friends, and uh, I noticed he wore a lot of like Spider-Man and Venom shirts. <laughs> and, and so I was like, OK, he's into comics and I'm into comics. And then, you know, th- that was that. And we just kind of had occasional conversations uh, about stuff, but not nothing too in-depth. And then basically the pandemic hit. And I think it was over text. We have a big text group. We were like, oh, yeah, we should start a podcast <laughs> talking about comics and all the all the free time that we have now. And then one of our other friends in the group was like, yeah, you should. <laughs> and, and we just both kind of like it, it was it was all over text. But we were just like, would you want to do that? Like, is that a thing that you would want to do? And we're like, I think it'd be fun. So we kind of tried it out and it and it we planned out a couple of episodes and figured out a format. And then it just kind of grew from there. And um yeah, it was it was it was really awesome. Something good came from the pandemic. It was it was pretty good. Again, if you want to know like the full on story for that, everyone, you can go listen to our first issue ever, our zero issue of of who we are and how the show really formed. Uh, the other half of their question is uh, who would we want to be the cover artist on our own series? And I couldn't choose between these two because I I love Dan Mora all of his work with Power Rangers, and now he is crushing it with DC. But I also am absolutely obsessed with Stephanie Hahn's painterly style. Her stuff with the dye covers is so beautiful. She has a ghostwriter cover that I use as my phone back screen for forever. And But yeah, I can't go wrong with either of those two. So I would say Dan Mora or Stephanie Hahn's. Those are great. Uh, answers i briefly considered stephanie hans as well i also briefly considered marjorie liu uh from monstrous because reading monstrous and i was just like this is absolutely beautiful um but then i remembered somebody that's been killing it in the cover department and somebody i've admired uh, for a long time is uh art germ aka stanley lau and he if you've never seen art germ uh he does a lot of like pin up stuff his his commission work for conventions is is great it's just a lot of really very cool um manga influenced a little bit but also just like kind of very comic book stylized um character poses and and portraits and at first i thought well he just does like faces and busts and things like that but then i've seen some of his stuff that he does where uh, he's done like full bodies and his stuff of Spider-Man. It's just super dynamic and the lighting and the color. He did, he does the whole thing. Yeah, he just kills it. I mean, it's just it's amazing to look at. It's frameable, you know, covers. So I I would go with Art Germ. It's a great choice. I, I understand that one. Respect that one. All righty. <laughs> Next question. You comic book keepers. This is Botter Milligan from the Short Box Podcast calling in on behalf of the Short Box Nation to congratulate Chris and Lance on a job well done times 100. Y'all have been solid contributors to the world of comic podcasting. One of my favorite episodes from y'all has to be episode 31, your Wally West Flash episode from the epic Unite the Seven comic podcast event we did two years ago. I can't believe it's been two years already. I ended up learning so much about Wally West, his history. I had a new appreciation for what he's capable of and his power set. Fantastic episode. And speaking of power set, here's a question for you. 
I love your podcast, Ulrich. It's, it's so cool to see you two portrayed as an amalgam of iconic comic heroes. Let's talk villains for a second. If you were to redo your podcast artwork using different elements of iconic comic villains, who would you go to for inspiration? Are we talking Dr. Doom mask on the body of souped up Mumra wielding Azrael's flaming sword of sin? Or do you got something more diabolical in mind? Let me know. I want to I hear what this villain version of the Comic Book Keepers podcast artwork looks like. But keep up the amazing work, keep potting, and I'll continue to make mine Comic Book Keepers. Peace. Bodder is one of the coolest dudes in the podcasting game. He, Short Box has been going on for, I think, 12 plus years now. Ooh. It, yeah, it's wow. really impressive. Their show is phenomenal. It's probably one of the most well-produced shows out there that you can listen to. Strongly suggest everyone listen to them. I also strongly suggest every single podcaster that we brought on for this show because they're all great. Uh, but yeah, Chris, you recently redesigned our logo to make us have all these elements of different heroes that we love. So let's consider the, the darker side, the evil side. <laughs> what what villains would make up our adjusted logo? What do you got? Well, uh, I mean, I can only say this was a fun one to think about. And, and I think in application, once I actually started to design it, I feel like it would change because like practically, you know, sometimes when you do something, you're like, well, that's not going to work, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but, before I even got into that, because uh, I, I haven't drawn it and I feel like at some point I probably will. Yes, please. But I would I would pick Magneto's helmet. Um, my chess logo would have Omni-Man, which I feel like is, is pretty easy to read. Sinestro ring on one hand with the Megatron cannon on that arm. A Thanos Infinity Gauntlet on the other hand and arm. Doc Ock tentacles uh, coming from my back. Uh, Dr. Doom boots, uh, a Catwoman whip, because I just, you know, absolutely adore Catwoman as a villain, all encompassed in a giant dark phoenix, um, <laughs> fiery, uh, flaming, uh, you know, outline. Amazing. I love it. I knew you were going to pick the Magneto helmet. Uh, I also <laughs> considered doing the Sinestro ring. I also thought about doing the Megatron cannon arm. It's so funny that we came yeah. up with so many similar things. <laughs> you picked some good stuff, though. I did. I did. Uh, I So I went with uh, Lord Zed's staff. So from Power Rangers, Lord Zed. Shredder's gauntlets, because mm-hmm. I, I love me some good blade bladed gauntlets. Oh, yeah. Galactus's helmet, just because I want it to be absolutely ridiculous. Bold choice. Yeah. Yeah. Botter was correct. I do want the Mumra logo on my shirt slash chest for this design. Then I'm going a little avant-garde. I'm getting onslaught shoulder pads or whatever Ooh. he likes to call them. We're going very sharp. We're going very 90s with this design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to have Deathstroke's boots, specifically Hobgoblin's belt with the pumpkin bombs, and then finishing it off with Starscream's wings out with the Decepticon logo visible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, by the way, this would be... <laughs> ridiculous to draw and yes, also kind of kind of hard to like get construct like what would be in front and what would be behind like i don't know how that would i don't know how that would work that's why i had an alternative where rather than having the giant galactus helmet it would be lord draken's uh, power ranger helmet and oh my then gosh. my arm and the arm instead of it being lord zed staff would be uh, like carnage's uh like a bladed arm from carnage but uh, so many different options lots of things out there but this was a great yeah. question thanks potter for sending that in 
That was fun. Next on the docket, we actually have one of our patrons, Riley, who was one of the first listeners we had sign up for our Patreon. So let's take a listen for his question. What is your favorite hero and villain from both DC and Marvel and why? Straight to the point, Riley. I love it. Chris. (laughs) Yeah. Who are your favorite heroes and villains from Marvel and DC? I mean, this is another tough one because I feel like it changes from year to year, from month to month sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, is it single hero? Is it team? Is it, you know, things like that? But okay, if we're kind of boiling it down in the moment, mine are very safe. Uh, Marvel, I go with Spider-Man and villain Magneto. Um, Why? Because I think Spider-Man just is so easy to get on board with. Great design. Great, great personality, great character, great rogues gallery, so much great relatability. You know, Magneto, you empathize with the guy like he he makes a point. He's a villain with a purpose. So many people can see where he's coming from and he's got a good history and he's also got a great design and just super just uh, he, he, like the the power behind Magneto is is great. DC, uh, I'm gonna go really straightforward and say Batman <laughs> and Joker. Like I I thought about all these other possibilities, like n- nothing comes close to just Batman. And then I was like, oh maybe Lex Luthor, maybe no no it's Joker. Like it's, I mean they're classic for a reason. They are uh, they are a con- classic foils for each other. Batman is the ultimate you know, detective, he's, he's a tinkerer. He's physically athletic. He's, you know, mysterious. The cartoon is one of my favorite things ever. Um, the movies are some of my favorites. So like, and, and the Joker is iconic. Like we talked about him in our episode, our third episode. And, uh, you know, he's just, you can't, he's one of, he's the greatest villain I think ever. So Mine, mine are a little bit different. Like I considered Spider-Man for Marvel, but I'm going, I had to kind of, again, a little bit of multiple, a little bit of cheating. I love Flash Thompson's Agent Venom. Agent Venom is one yeah. of my favorite series. I have the entire uh, single issue run of Agent Venom. Flash Thompson's arc has just been absolutely phenomenal. And now he's, there was like Agent Anti-Venom and now he's just considered Anti-Venom now. And there's just so much stuff going on with him right now. It's been a lot of fun. And also Ben Riley. I, I love Ben Riley. So I'm still picking a Spider-Man uh, and two really Spider-Man adjacent characters. But there we go. Those are for my Marvel heroes. Uh, Marvel villains, Venom back when he was a villain was my absolute favorite character, period. But now that he's more heroic, uh, I... I'm kind of cheated and did the Agent Venom sing for the hero. But again, like for me, Magneto is probably is one of my favorite Marvel villains, but I'm also a massive fan of Juggernaut. I recently acquired his first appearance in X-Men 12. I have his like Funko Pop and I love I want a statue of Juggernaut and there's there's lots of things. So those are my picks for Marvel over at DC. If I could say Red Hood, I would for Hero, but he's more of an anti-hero. So I'm going to go Raven. Raven has been one of my favorite characters for a very long time. Teen Titans is one of my favorite teams of all time. Along those same lines for villain, I love Deathstroke. Seeing Slade in the Teen Titans show was just, I was obsessed because the character was done so well. So Deathstroke is an easy given. And then also I, I really do like Reverse Flash. I think he adds a great foil to like the happy go lucky flash character and he's he's an absolute menace so those are those are my picks yeah great question Riley. those are good next up 
Greetings, boys, and congrats on a hundred episodes. That's a real achievement, and I'm really proud of you guys. That's so awesome. You've made it to a hundred. I am Miles from the Toast of the Realms, the Dis Dump, and High on Horror podcasts. And uh, my question for you guys is about the psychology in comic book characters. Some of the most interesting psychological profiles of comic book characters come from superheroes like Rorschach or Magneto or Batman. In your opinion, what characters from comics who are not superheroes have the most interesting psychological traits, motives, or perspectives? Congratulations, guys, and here's to a hundred more episodes. Thanks, Miles. Uh, Miles is another one of those buddies I've had for a very long time in the podcasting sphere. I recently joined over on Toast of the Realms to do a TTRPG kind of, not really a one-shot. We'll see how many more of them we do, but it was an absolute blast with quite a few other uh, comic book podcasters. And he's actually been on our show. He covered uh, Zatanna with us, and we, we didn't even mention that almost everyone else that's been mentioned so far has been on our show as well. <laughs> Chris, who who is your pick? Who is the most interesting non-superhero character from comics to you? I almost picked your pick, but I ultimately kind of thought about, you know, who, who why is somebody interesting and, and why are they the way they are? And, and I kept coming back to J. Jonah Jameson. Great choice. <laughs> because uh, he is somebody that's just so fascinated with hating uh, this, you know, these, these superheroes and, and masked menaces. And he basically just wants to be a good businessman. Like yeah. he wants to sell papers. He wants to do it in, in kind of bad ways. And he's, he's an unlikable guy, but he's very much a quintessential New Yorker. And he, he's just doing his job and he just wants to ultimately like have great headlines and, you know, like he he's just over the years, just it's really interesting to see his mental capacity just to be like, I hate these people. And I, and everything is everything is, you know, everyone's beneath me. And, and just like he's so frustrated all the time. <laughs> like, how did he get so powerful? <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it's just fascinating. <laughs> I love J. Jonah Jameson. I, I think I fell in love with the character during one of the Sam Raimi films when green goblin goes and attacks me he's like who's getting all these pictures of spider-man and he lies like he has mm-hmm. this dude that could clearly kill him at any moment and he lies he's like yeah. i don't know he sends the pictures in so even in that moment when you see him as being this jerk the entire movie yeah he he has morals and he's like i'm not throwing this kid under the bus yeah, it's like a I, professional code or something of yeah you know. that's that's what that's the moment i fell in love with that character and jk simmons crushes that role uh, my pick is Alfred Pennyworth, Batman's right-hand man. He serves as this moral compass for Batman. He reigns him back in. He takes care of the entire Bat family. Would you want to wash those Bat suits? No, you wouldn't. But Alfred does. There, He does everything Batman needs, and he has this... He just has this limitless ability to love Bruce, and even when Bruce goes a little bit towards that dark side, he's there to lend a sometimes firm hand to get back on track. And I, mm-hmm. I think him seeing all these villains and what Batman, what Bruce goes up against, he just has to be so mentally tough because he cares for this person that he has pretty much raised because the parents are gone. And so it's like a son to him. And now he is helping him yeah. serve 
the city. So Alfred is definitely my pick. Yeah. And just seeing some of the different portrayals, like actually one of my favorites is Ray finds voices Alfred in the Lego Batman movie. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it focuses on him quite a bit, like how he kind of says you have to grow up and you have to trust me and you have to trust other people and you have to get out there and like, and all these people, all of these actors that have portrayed Alfred have put a lot of thought, you know, Michael Caine and Andy Serkis, and they've put so much effort into like, this is the father figure that Bruce needs, but doesn't always accept. And it's such a fascinating, yeah, psychological kind of insight into like, he knows he has to do this. Love it. Next one. Hey, this is Jake from the Spectales podcast. First, I'd like to say congratulations to both of you on reaching your 100th episode. Comic Book Keepers has been a staple on my podcast rotation for nearly two years now, and I still look forward to every episode. Now, you both know Spectales is all about comic book grails and the stories behind collecting them. What I want to know now is what comic grails are on your yet-to-be-collected but desperately need lists. So what comic or collectible do you hope to get this year? Inquiring minds need to know. Thanks for all the content, guys, and congratulations again on 100. Thanks, Jake. And Jake and Jesus have a phenomenal show with Spec Tales. I talk to Jake pretty much like nearly almost every day, uh, along with another podcaster that we will have up in this episode a little bit later. Jake's been on the episode a couple times to help me out. While you, Chris, were focusing on your other ventures because you have so much stuff going on. So greatly appreciate Jake stepping (laughs) in for that. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, I recently acquired one of my grails. I just purchased Brave and the Bold 54. That's the first Teen Titans. Like, so this this book is old. <laughs> nice. uh, but yeah, I think it's from 1965 is when it came out. I'm, I'm so excited to have it. Uh, Mike from uh, Tencent Takes actually helped me acquire it. A book that I am still trying to get this year is New Teen Titans 2, which is the first appearance of Deathstroke. So like I said, one of my favorite DC villains, and I want his first appearance finally. I need it in my collection. Y'all probably know from listening to the show, I'm not as much of a collector as Lance or even Jeremy, who comes on the show a lot. I, I am a more of a casual reader. I am a casual collector. Um, I do have a lot of comics, but I'm not definitely the person that will hunt out and find stuff. Uh, kind of. But I ultimately, <laughs> at some point, a grail, like the ultimate grail that I would love to find. And it would definitely require some some capital <laughs> is uh, giant size X-Men number one. I, I, I would love to have that, you know, just th- that uh, uh, the first appearance of the, the, the international team. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's amazing. I mean, I that would that would be like, OK, I'm done. Like, right. I mean, but realistically, uh, recently, I've tried to be I tried to get into some more older issues like like 50s 60s 70s like just some some older ones like some of the first marvel comics and some older dc comics and i think those are really interesting as we've been talking more and more about like comic history and i i have a lot of 90s stuff but i don't really and some 80s but i didn't really have anything before that so just uh starting to build some of my collection uh, in the past uh, as I gain appreciation for that, I think just in general, 
you know, I think that those are kind of things I'm, I'm looking for. All right. Next on the docket. Hey guys, uh, Gliza here. Congratulations on your 100th episode. Here's my question. Of all the episodes you did, which one was the one that surprised you and how much you enjoyed it? Thanks for sending that in, Gliza. Uh, Gliza, we found out after we started the podcast, lived in San Diego at the time. So after getting to know her, we actually hung out. She's come to movies with us before and done game nights. So we miss you, Gliza. She she recently had moved a few months ago, and she is sorely missed in San Diego. And she also joined us on the show for not one, but two episodes with Deadpool and then Rogue. So uh, some, some fun times there. Uh, I almost had a tie here because I really enjoyed and was surprised as far as the surprise. I think I was most surprised with Constantine, uh, how much I enjoyed reading it because it was one of those characters I didn't really understand. But ultimately, in terms of the one that I was like, oh, okay, I get it now is is Doctor Strange. I had never read any Doctor Strange previous to researching the character. I hate I hate to admit it's one of those characters. I was like, okay, and then. You know, just in passing, but like actually reading Doctor Strange comics, I really enjoyed it. And it's funny because I kind of closely resemble Doctor Strange <laughs> in some ways. I got the goatee, I got the silver hair, and now I have a Doctor Strange cape and and the Eye of Agamotto and everything. And now you cosplay as him. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween last year. Woohoo. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed just what the writers and artists we're going for and continue to go for and how it's it's one of those things like maybe this is not the first comic book hero that you go after but once you're like yeah comics then you're like yeah give me something weird okay and then here's doctor <laughs> strange so i i get it and and um I, I i really appreciate him as a character and i was surprised at how much i enjoyed reading him yeah i can i can validate that chris really likes doctor strange now so that was a that was a game changer uh, I'm going to go with a character that I was surprised how much I enjoyed the research side of things. And that was Cheetah. I could have cared less about oh, Cheetah yeah. before our episode. <laughs> but the more I got into the creator history, it was so interesting. Just because things are so interesting for... Uh, I, I can't even think of his name off the top of my head. William Molten Mar- Marst- William Moulton Marston. Or there we go. Uh, that guy also also created Wonder Woman, but like the history with that guy is so intriguing. It's, it's woo. It's it's real out there. We also covered like four different versions of Cheetah in that episode, and it was just really interesting to research and yeah. read those stories. And there's some really really cool ones. That was the surprise. A character that I was like, oh, we're covering Cheetah. To oh my gosh, uh-huh. like this character's legit. I want to read more stories with her. Yeah, I I think that was one of the ones early on that we were like, oh, this show could be actually be kind of like we might open up some eyes to to people like they didn't. I guarantee you, everybody that listened to that episode was like, oh, really? <laughs> like um, about the, about some of these characters. So, I mean, I think we've definitely done some like uh, opened up some people's eyes to characters that they either never heard of before or didn't know anything about secretly. So. Next up on the docket, we have Red Fox from Night of the Living Podcast, and I've joined him on his show because we have like a mini series called uh, Sentai Knights, which is like a Power Ranger related 
side thing that we do on his show where we just talk Power Rangers. And Chris, you did art for us. You created, you brought our Sentai Knights to life. I did. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just I just followed your directions. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear the question from Red Fox. What's up? This is Red Fox from Night Living Podcast Comic Book Keepers. Congratulations on 100 episodes, nonstop bangers after bangers after bangers. My question for you lads today is which comic book character taught you the most valuable life lessons? Love you guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, I'll make mine very quick. I went very cliche with Superman, with someone with so much power, but still having humility, trying to be a force for good, looking out for those that are weaker than him, not seeing those simple tasks as being something below him. He he is the one that'll get the cat out of the tree. He's the one that cares for the individuals of a city, not just the city at large. There's so many stories about him in comics just being like that great person that individual looking out for the little guy so and that superman title even passes on to john i Mm -hmm. i loved superman son of kal-el that first issue where the threat that was like going nuclear was stopped by john giving him a hug because he was just scared and didn't understand his powers like that sort of love is the thing that i would like to incorporate into my life and look out for others and care for them so that lots of valuable life lessons to learn from superman i like that um, I, I have two, uh, my, my also have a predictable one, which is Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And Spider-Man for me is all about overcoming loss and making the best of the weird stuff that life throws at you. And, and despite all of life's adversaries, um, just embracing the responsibility you have to do the right thing. You know, you can, you still can have, try to have fun with your life, but, but you have to, take ownership and st- learn how to grow and learn how to become the the person you're meant to be. Uh, the other one is, is rogue. I, I've always loved the character of rogue. Uh, and, but I think what I learned from her is you have to be really thankful for what you have. Yeah. And cause there's, you know, there's sometimes that you just can't have what you really want. And, uh, and, or, or sometimes you are given things that you don't necessarily want. And she's had this, burden of like having like the curse slash power of not being able to touch people or not being able to have connection but that's what she's always really wanted in in her life so um it just makes you grateful for like i'm so glad that i can you know have these relationships and and be close to people yeah that's beautiful Next on the docket is Brandon from the Galactic Dads podcast. We actually got to meet up with Brandon at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con in 2022, which was really fun. Good dude. Yeah, great dude. I was on his show. I was on Galactic Dads to cover all of the Predator movies. One Prey came out. Super fun. So go check out that episode. Hey, Lance and Chris. It is Brandon from the Galactic Dads podcast, and I am going to congratulate you on your 100th episode of the Comic Book Keepers podcast. It's been an excellent run so far, and I'm looking forward to 100 more episodes. My question for you guys is, in all of comic books and the lore and TV shows, movies, all the adaptations, everything, multiverses, Elseworlds, what have you, who is your favorite dad in all of comic books or father figure uh don't pick the easy one i know i know there are a few easy choices there low hanging fruit if you will but 
I know you guys are good for it. You definitely uh, have had some great episodes where you may have even answered this question in the past, but I wonder if that has changed now in 100 episodes. So definitely, who is your favorite comic book dad? Let me know. I look forward to hearing the answer on that 100th episode. It has not changed since the very first episode (laughs) that we did. Splinter is the ultimate comic dad. He he's an adoptive father and he took in four four sons of his own that are not even the same species and he teaches them and cares for them and they care for him and it's a beautiful story and he's a rat. <laughs> and they're turtles. The beautiful story of adopting and then teaching your adopted children <laughs> to murder your arch enemy. I the mean, beautiful story. But no, it's it's the the art of ninjutsu and self defense. Oh, self defense. By and if by the way, if a guy in a giant chrome suit with big blades on his arms comes after you, at least you know how to defend yourself. Uh, thank you. Uh, oh, but okay. yeah, Splint, Splinter is has always been just a fascinating character. And and when I thought of a dad figure, um, and, I mean. I thought of a lot of characters. I was like, well, he's a dad. Ooh, but he's done some bad stuff. Oh, how about the, uh, no, no, he, he turned into a villain. It, it, it's always like, well, there was that one time that they tried to mass murder everybody, you know, and Splinter is just, a, he's, he's, he's Splinter. He's master Splinter. How can you not love Splinter? Yeah. I'll, I'll agree with the IDW, the Mirage Splinter out for blood and vengeance. IDW Splinter, good to go. Happy fun guy. <laughs> My choice is Uncle Iroh. Luckily, Avatar The Last Airbender has been turned into comics, so I can include him in this answer. Yeah. Uncle Great Iroh choice. is MVP of Avatar The Last Airbender. Every single thing he does is just so wise or funny. He does things in the moment that are just like perfection. He's hilarious. The freaking episode where he sings about his son is mm-hmm. just heartbreaking. The episode where he's in prison and he gets all jacked up again. He's huge. Yeah. It's part of the White Lotus. There's so many great things. He sees what Zuko could become and he just he lets him find his own path and he, he just fully accepts him again when, when Zuko finally gets his crap together. Uncle Iroh is MVP. I love him so much. He is 100% my favorite father figure in all of media, period. Now on to a question that absolutely has to be bonkers because it's from our friends Guido and Rob from the Dear Watchers podcast. Oh boy. They were on our show where we covered the X-Men Teen Titans crossover, which was super fun. So let's dive straight into their question. Hey, Chris and Lance, it's Guido. And Rob. Your Watchers from Dear Watchers. An Omniversal comic book podcast. And we are so excited to celebrate your 100th episode. We recently did the same. Welcome to the club. Yeah. We need to get you jackets. (laughs) (laughs) And we are proud supporters of you on Patreon. We love Bagged and Boarded, the bonus show over Mm -hmm. there, as well as listening to your weekly deep dives but we have some questions for you yes my question is what is your dream intercompany crossover and after you finish that question i want to know within one publisher or company who is your dream amalgam character we can't wait to hear the answers Mm -hmm. thanks for always pondering the possibilities with us congratulations i love dear watchers their show is amazing (laughs) It's a lot of fun. 
It's so much fun. So Chris, I'll let you go first with this one. So what, what's your dream intercompany crossover? Okay, I'm going to pick Dark Horse and Marvel. And uh, part of this, I think they would like this uh, answer as well, because I know uh, I think it's Guido really likes Buffy. I can't wait to maybe have uh, you on the show and we'll do a Buffy episode, Buffy comics. I know you've done you've talked about Buffy comics and I love that episode from y'all. And uh, I would love to uh, get into that. Uh, have Lance educated on on the greatness of Buffy comics. <laughs> I love Buffy. I just haven't read the comics. It's so good. Uh, it's so good. Um, so yeah, I, I just I think like Hellboy and the Umbrella Academy, mixing it up with like Midnight Suns, and you get like the Watchers in there. Like uh, it to be so much fun. Um, Willow and Scarlet Witch, and <laughs> just like it'd be, it'd be really awesome. So as far as the amalgam, I'm gonna take Ninja Turtles and fantastic four and mutate them together and call it the fantastic mutant ninja four so it's going to have like the ninja turtles but they also have the powers of the fantastic four so you have leonardo who is uh all stretchy and you have uh michelangelo who is uh made of rock and donatello who can cast himself on fire no Raphael would cast himself on fire a hothead and then Donatello who has like invisibility and like shield things like that so just for the visual sake I think that'd be fun ninjas are supposed to be stealthy Donatello literally being invisible is just OP Ninja Turtle (laughs) I'm I'm all for it I just want the toys I want the toys (laughs) yes oh it's Ninja Turtles of course there's gonna be toys my choice for a dream interpublisher company crossover Uh, is recently changed because the rights to one of these particular franchises has very recently within this last week switched over or as far as the announcement has switched over and that's transformers now being at image comics i'm going to choose image comics doing a crossover with boom studios that's right power rangers and transformers together we got giant mechs that can go up to team up do fun crossovers But something very specific that I would want from a story, and I'll say this very quickly, is that I would want the storyline to be where you think it's supposed to be the Rangers themselves teaming up with the Transformers, but I want the Rangers to be captured or taken away and needing to be saved. And the Transformers are trying to basically say, okay, well, let's go save the Rangers. But then the Power Rangers Zords clearly show that they want to join in. And then there's this reaction with the Allspark and the Zords themselves can transform into more of a um, like a transform into a transformer. And then they would be able to communicate with Optimus and speak English finally. And you learn that they aren't just these robots this whole time, but they were actually these beings that love and care for the Rangers and they want to go help them. So they want to go save their friends and they team up with the Transformers to go and save their friends. And at the end, there's going to be the somber moment of the Zords have to return back to their normal state and won't be able to communicate with the Rangers again after they've saved them. But these transformed versions of the Zords will be able to say, even though we won't be able to say it again, we love you, we care for you, and we will protect you. And then that's it. And so now there's this increased... A relationship between the Zords and the Rangers, I think it would be beautiful. And then we could also get like a cool combination of like Optimus Prime with the Tyrannosaurus and make a whole new Megazord, a whole bunch of stuff. It would be huge. It'd be amazing. They go after they go after Unicron, giant Optimus Prime with all the other Zords. I want it now. That's what I want. Nice. Did I mention Michelangelo is made of orange rock? 
<laughs> yes, great. Perfect storyline, Chris. <laughs> it's clobbering time, dude! <laughs> Uh, my choice for an amalgam character is going to be Flash Grayson. So a combination of Flash Thompson and Mark Grayson. So Flash Thompson, Agent Venom, uh, Mark Grayson, Invincible. And I wanted to play with the name a little bit. So Invincible isn't really a thing. I thought of ways of incorporating the Invincible word, like the concept behind it with the Venom of like a spider. They have neurotoxin, so I thought there already is a symbiote called toxin, so maybe this version of the character is called neurotoxin or incurable <laughs> instead of invincible. So, But that's that's what I would choose. I've already said before that I would want Ma- Marvel and Milestone to do a Virgil-Miles crossover slash amalgam character. I think that would be great, but we've said that on earlier episodes. Fun thing about Flash Grayson, though, is I've actually commissioned, I had already commissioned a piece of this character, and it exists. I have it in my collection. Artist Michael Calero, a buddy of mine that I met years ago at Salt Lake Comic Con, who uh, might be showing up on the podcast fairly soon, so keep your eyes out for that. Mm-hmm. He's over at Whatnot Publishing and doing a great job over there. I want both our stories now. (laughs) Next on the docket are our favorite trash goblins, Mike and Jessica with a K. Hey, Lance and Chris. It's Mike from Tencent Takes. And it's Jessica from Tencent Takes. Thank you so much for inviting us to be a part of your 100th episode. That's a huge milestone. Absolutely. Congratulations, y'all. We've got questions for you. My question is, which superhero would you hate to work with in like a corporate setting? Like who would you hate to have in the cubicle next to you? Who is a superhero? Man, that's actually really tough. I can think of several heroes that I would hate to work I with. Think of several. I don't know which one would be like the absolute worst though. <laughs> I mean, you know, I hate Superman. So, but uh, I will let them answer their own darn question. He's such a dick. Leave my beautiful, sweet Labrador alone. <laughs> So I also have a question, which is, what is the one character that if you never saw in another comic book, you'd be totally fine with? I like how both of ours were like, low-key negative. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I would have also accepted answers for the question, how dreamy are my eyes, be honest. But only Lance can answer that question, because he's the only one who's met me in person. (laughs) Well, super big congratulations, you guys. We're wishing you 100 more episodes on top of this one. Take care, guys. I can confirm. Mike's eyes are very dreamy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Chris, why don't you go first with this one? Uh, At first, I picked multiple man, but then I thought he might be a good, like, someone to to be friends with because he would get a lot done being able to make copies of himself. But then I went with Black Bolt because just having him as a, a co-worker and you know he just never never communicates he doesn't say anything to you and then when he does say something you just get obliterated like that and or <laughs> half of the building it just explodes how annoying is that and like oh it always goes to him you know it's like uh it's just it's so frustrating you would have like he would just be upset he's like who didn't put a lid on their food in the microwave and then just like, half the building just explodes wave 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 <laughs> uh uh, my choice is plastic man he would always just be like right next to your face but he would his body would be across the room it's just this weird thing he always gets in your business he's annoying i i don't want to work with with plastic man i'm good he can he can stay over he can (laughs) pretend to be a bench over on the side i don't care just don't don't get in my cubicle 
for the character that if I never saw again, uh, I went with Mr. Mixelplick from from DC from like Superman. I, you know, like maybe when I was a kid, I was like, oh, OK, uh, sure. It, <laughs> and I think it's interesting that both of us went with characters that can kind of like jump around and do whatever they want and then they kind of come and go as they please like I, I don't i think we just both don't like these characters that are like i'm i'm omnipotent and i can do whatever i want it's just i don't know it, it seems also just like the worst uh blending of you know why is this fill in with this hero it it i don't like it and and maybe you know to be fair i haven't read a lot of comic stories with him and maybe somebody wrote him and he's amazing in in a story but right now from what i've seen from what i've read and whatnot like i just i'm good like i don't need any more well you have to get a, get him to say his name backwards like uh, how many times can that be a thing like uh, no dumb dumb yeah hard pass with that one chris is alluding to the fact that i chose the beyonder i don't care and I, I think we did a good job of choosing characters. We didn't go like the super random route, like a character from a random publisher that no one's ever heard of. Like we choose characters that are in the zeitgeist of comics, but Spider-Man taught Beyonder how to poop. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't need to read that story. Uh, he set up Secret Wars. Great. I love Secret Wars. I love the crossover type of thing. Don't need any more Beyonder. Uh, I, I don't care. There's there's tons of other characters now that can set up more crossovers like Dr. Doom can do it. Like if you have Dr. Doom doing what Beyonder can do, why why do we need Beyonder? So that's my choice out of the way. We don't have to say anything else about these characters. (laughs) Next up, we have Chris from the Geek Peak podcast. He's also from High on Horror, along with Miles and one other uh, podcaster that will be on in a little bit. And here is his question. Hey, what is up, comic book keepers? Lance, Chris, love you guys. Want to give you guys some some love and tell you congratulations on your 100th episode. Show is getting better by the episode. I've uh, been listening to you all for a little bit. Uh, I guess I should say I'm Chris from the Geek Peak Podcast, and uh, we're sending all of our support and congratulations over to you all. It's a big number to hit. Here's to 900 more. Um, my question is, what's one property that you'd like to see a comic adaptation or tie-in for? And then one comic that you'd like to see adapted, and you can adapt that into anything you'd like. Movie, TV, anime, video games, whatever you'd like. So uh, I'm just interested to hear y'all's take. And once again, congratulations. Chris joined us for two episodes of the show so far. He came in and helped out with our season one finale with Carnage as well as joining in for Morbius. So it was Morbin time with Chris here on <laughs> Comic Book Keepers. Oh, Morbius. You know, this is one of those hard questions because there's so many that already have been done. And But ultimately, I kind of was just like, what would I really love to see? And I actually picked some non-superhero-y kind of stuff. I love shows by Michael Shore, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, and The Good Place. So I would love to see a Brooklyn Nine-Nine comedy comic book i i think just having kind of stylized versions of these characters it's a hilarious show it's already very silly and out there and they do weird things they it just i think it would just be like a fun episodic kind of thing or the good place which is also really weird and silly and i think would lend itself supremely well to 
uh, comic book lore. And there's a lot of things that you could tell and even like offshoot and stuff like that. So that's what I would love to see as a comic. Yeah, that's a fun pick. Uh, I'm going with the video game Legend of Dragoon. I want anything in any format of this video game. I want <laughs> a remake. I, I need something Legend of Dragoon in my life. So if I could have a comic book with this, with gigantic creatures and monsters and have there be this fantasy world, I think there's so much fun things you could do with a Legend of Dragoon comic book. Let's jump back to you, Chris. What uh, comic book property do you want to see adapted into uh, a different format? Saga. Oh, surprise, surprise. Uh, 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 let, let's let's see a live action series on HBO or Amazon with Saga and make it happen immediately. Um, the other one I thought would be kind of fun, and some people might not know this, but it's a uh, young adult series called Amulet. It's by Kazu. I'm sorry if I say this name wrong. Kibuyushi. And uh, it's a beautiful story and I love the art and I love the story. And it's, it's a really fun um, kind of younger readers uh, similar to bone and everything. And I think that would be a really, a really fun story to see like in, in animation um, that I hope gets adapted in some way. Great. I'm all for it. I'm going with bone parish. We have had a full on episode oh, yeah. about bone parish. We had Colin bun, the writer and creator for the series on the podcast like it was our eighth issue ever <laughs> that he came on the show, which was wild to me. But this series is so cool. It is primed for a live action adaptation. It has like, like drug world and it's set in new Orleans and you have these warring factions over the, the street level crime. It, it has elements of the thing with this body horror. You get these sci-fi elements really going on or, with these drugs that are allowing you to relive moments of time where the people that you've taken the drug of, because it's made from their bones. When you take the drug made from their bones, you relive one of their memories and things get trippy and weird. And it would be amazing on HBO or like a showtime. My other one really quickly would be, I want murder Falcon as an animated series on Amazon prime. It's part of skybound. You already have invincible on Amazon prime also from skybound make it happen that would be so freaking cool i need it in my life next question is coming from our buddy zach zach joined us on the show for booster gold which was an absolute blast learned a lot about that character because it's one of his favorites he's the host of the comics that we love podcast everyone go check out his show and here's his question what's up chris and lance zach here from the comics that we love and comics and beer congratulations on the huge benchmark so many shows don't get past episode 3, and look how far you guys have come. As a friend and fan of the show, color me impressed. You never cease to put out solid comic book content that I truly enjoy, and I'm looking forward to the next 100 episodes of the show as well. My question to you, the show could not have happened if the two of you weren't the team that you are. In your mind, who is the best duo in comics? I'm talking writer-artist combo. What team will always get your money when they work together? Again, congratulations. Comic Book Keepers is a fantastic show that I enjoy on a weekly basis. Look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Thanks, Zach. And yeah, Chris, who is your best duo in comics? This is a tough one because it's very tempting to say something like 
Robert Kirkman and Ryan Otley or, you know, uh, Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, you know, classic team ups. But I liked the clarification of like whenever they come out with something new. And so for that, for a team up that I'm always like, ooh, what's this is Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Um, They've done Batman Long Halloween. They did Dark Victory. They did Spider-Man Blue, which I absolutely loved uh daredevil yellow you know like just beautiful classic groundbreaking stories and just the the art of sequential art is it, it's it's a master class in, in how to tell a story how to write a story the simplicity in the in the um illustration i love it so i i i love the stuff that they've done everything that they've done together has, has been great that's a great choice. Spider-Man Blue is one of my go-to reading recommendations for anything. When people say, what Spider-Man story should I read? Spider-Man Blue all the way. I absolutely yeah. love that series. Uh, my choice is kind of cheating, but is also not at the same time. Uh, if you listen to our podcast regularly, you will know I am a massive fan of Daniel Warren Johnson, and he is a writer and an artist. But his duo, his partner in crime, is colorist Mike Spicer. So I am choosing Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. I had the same exact reaction to this question, Chris, was uh, the minute Zach said, like, who will always get your money? This is the duo that will always get my money. I will buy whatever (laughs) they do. I will get the trade paperback. I will get the hardcover. I will get the special edition. I do not care. I want it all. And I will get it signed at every single con. Lance will go after uh, DWJ and and uh, find him and buy his stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we also recently learned Daniel Warren Johnson is actually doing the Transformers comic for Image Comics. So cool. I will be buying all of that as well. Next. We have Josh from the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast as well as High on Horror. He's the, the third member of the High on Horror podcast team. Hilarious. They break down horror movies. It's amazing. I love their show. Uh, and Four Nerds by Nerds, too. It's great. So let's see what Josh has prepped for us today. Hello, comic book keeper fans. Hello, Lance and Chris. This is Josh from the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast, and I would just like to say congratulations to Lance and Chris for 100 tremendous episodes. Your show is amazing, informative, funny, kind-hearted, and a great show for anyone that is a fan of of comic books. Thank you for having me on for the Red Hood episode, which was one of the most fun episodes of podcasting I've ever had the pleasure of being a part of. And I am just recording this to ask, since Red Hood is an associate of Batman and everyone says that with enough prep time, Batman could beat anyone, you can kind of give that to any of his wards as well. So... With that being said, my question is, with enough prep time, do you think Jason Todd, a.k.a. the Red Hood, could beat Venom? I'm very interested to hear your guys' take on this. And again, congratulations on 100 episodes. Here's to years and years and years more of amazing content. Great job, guys. Josh asked this question on purpose because he knows I love Red Hood and Venom, and he just makes me want to fight them. (laughs) Josh was on to cover the Red Hood for our show. It was the season two opener episode. It had so much fun. The what if we did for that segment is probably the most (laughs) well-produced what if we've done because I've used uh, music 
from uh, our buddy Weston, who created our original theme, and he d- we use a bunch of his music in our episodes. And then Josh did voiceover work as Venom for the What If part. So super fun. Chris, can Jason Todd beat Venom? Yes, if Jason Todd finds Venom's weakness to strong sonic frequencies, but he would only succeed in separating the symbiote from Eddie Brock, and then eventually he would be overtaken by the symbiote to become the Black Hood. I'll take it. I'm for that story. If we're talking current state of Venom, Eddie Brock, no way. Eddie Brock right now in the comics is basically a god. Uh, He is. They defeated Noel, and then he took over as like the symbiote god. Uh, So no, not to Eddie. Probably could beat Dylan, uh, Brock version of Venom. But if we're talking like '90s Venom, absolutely, Jason Todd can take out Venom if he he'll be able to figure out his weakness. Jason Todd's got some sonic boom weapons up his sleeves, like he can for sure do it. So thanks, Josh, for making me pit two of my favorite characters against one another. That's that's great. Sending in the next question is a recent guest we had on the show, Vactor from the Vactorverse. Chris and Lance, what's up, guys? It's Vector coming to you from the Vectorverse. I just want to say, first of all, you guys do a great podcast, a great job. Keep it up. I'm looking forward to seeing your evolution and seeing your growth. But I got a question for you boys. What is your favorite comic book video game of all time? I'm very interested. So let me know here in the Vectorverse. <laughs> it's such a good question. Vector joined us for our Miles Morales episode. It was super fun. So go check that episode out if you haven't listened to it already. Yeah, this was really hard because I've been playing comic book video games for so long. And there's been some that I'm just like, I have to play this. I have to play the X-Men game on the Sega Genesis. I have to, you know, play the uh, Ninja Turtles um, four player game in the arcade, you know, like, I mean, there's, there's been some classics, but I think the one that has really brought me in and, and I almost picked Arkham city that, 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 that is my second choice, uh, Batman Arkham city, but ultimately it's Marvel's Spider-Man, the, 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 this game just, and there's been a lot of great Spider-Man games. The Spider-Man two game was great. Um, some there's been some good spider-man games but this but this game just it makes you feel so much like yes you can be spider-man like you can you can embody all of the cool things that spider-man does and you can customize how you fight and it's the the story is great the acting is great the characters are fun you get tons of villains to, to play against and it's it's just amazing. I, I I mean, they they nailed it. So um, very enjoyable, totally worth buying a, a PS4, PS5 for for Marvel Spider-Man. Um, yeah, I, I it's my favorite. Uh, that would probably also be my answer if I have ever played it, because I have never had a PlayStation <laughs> four or five. Uh, but it looked great. I love watching videos of people playing it. It's good times. One day I'll play it. My choice was almost a different Spider-Man game, the Spider-Man game from the N64. I was obsessed with that game as a kid. But then I remembered a game that I put so many hours into, and that's X-Men Legends on the GameCube. This game was a blast. I love X-Men and being able to create your team of four different like mutants and doing all these cool combos and unlocking their different abilities. And I, I just had so much fun playing this game. I liked that, and and I liked X Men Legends too. Apocalypse, uh, with that that even blew it up even more. I think I, I don't play. I didn't play on the GameCube. I think I played on the 
original PlayStation or PS2? I forget which. which I think one it's it was PlayStation for. Two. Yeah, but it that's that was a great game. Uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Next up, we have Sean from Metalcore Nerds who joined us for a back to back episode covering Jane Foster's Thor and then Gore the God Butcher. So let's see what Sean has prepped for us today. What is up, comic book keepers? It's Sean Mott from Metalcore Nerds. Congratulations on 100 episodes. You guys are the best podcast to come to when you're trying to learn about a comic character, especially the ones coming up in the movies that we know and love. But my question for you guys, with Across Spider-Verse here, obviously Shameik Moore is an incredible Miles Morales, and there's talks of Miles Morales coming in live action. How would you introduce him into live action, and what cinematic universe would you place him in? Thanks, guys. Here's to 100 more. So because we know that in the MCU tied version with Tom Holland is that we've had Aaron Davis played by Donald Glover already there. We know from a cut scene that he calls Miles. We know Miles is in this Mm -hmm. universe. So I would just have it happen organically. Miles is already in the MCU world. He is going to encounter Tom Holland. They're going to have the spider sense thing go off. And then we're going to have two, I want two young Spider-Men working together in the city. I think because that's what we're getting in this newest version of the video game of having them both be around and serving the community. I think it'd be really fun to have two of them that don't have a ton of experience. Obviously, Tom Holland Spider-Man is going to have a considerable amount more of experience than this version of Miles, but it would just be fun. And then we've already had Kamala Khan show up, so I want Miles to eventually be part of the champions with Kamala Khan. Let's introduce Sam Alexander. Let's do a champions movie or show. I don't care. I want all of it. So I, I think the the seeds have already been planted. So just go with what's already there. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I, my theory is based on another theory that I think we talked about in the miles episode, which is, and and this will not happen. I'm just going to say this is no way this will happen, but I love the idea that in the third animated movie of the spider verse movies, that miles somehow has to sacrifice himself and he transitions from animation into live action. And at the end, he kind of, there's a cliffhanger where he kind of realizes, wait, what? And he pulls off the hood and you see, who it is like it's going to be some unknown actor or maybe somebody we know and and then in the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland you see them interact and they kind of team up to defeat Kingpin Vincent D'Onofrio or or Tom Hardy Venom or or something like that I like I I I could see how Sony is like yeah let's just bring it all together and you know but <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's they're going to catch somebody new and they'll bring them in and whatever. But um, yeah, I think it would be it would if they if they pulled something like that off hats off to you, Sony and, and Marvel, because that would be amazing. And it would kind of be in line with Miles, you know, universe hopping. Like, I think that's the thing that's honors his character the most. It would be bonkers. I, I liked uh, that conversation we had in that episode, so it could be wild. Let's hear from the best couple in comic book podcasting, Brad and Lisa. Chris and Lance, 100 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. That's a lot of episodes. That's like 10 tens of episodes. That is what they call a milestone, Lisa. Mm -hmm. So congratulations to Chris and Lance for reaching 100 episodes. And we're sorry to Chris and Lance 
for reaching 100 episodes because they've asked for a question from us and now they must suffer the consequences. <laughs> oh, we're going to come in hot? We're going to come in real hot with one question representing two people, a married couple who host a podcast themselves, Comic Book Couples Counseling. So, what is your search? What is it? When you're going to have some private time with yourself? No, no, that's not, no, we can't do that. Oh, we, can't, okay. we can't ask them that question. <laughs> that's between them and their savior. Okay. Okay. Okay, sure okay. That's fine. We got to bring it down a notch. That was too hot. I too like spicy. the energy, Lisa, but we got to bring it down a notch. Okay, how about this? What is a comic book character that you see yourself in? Or like you aspire to be more like, for, for me, oh, it's that's like John Greenwood. Okay. I want to be the person who, when someone needs help, is I want to be the person who's there to help, just like Don Greenwood from Silver Surfer. So, like, to me, the way you set that question up is different than the way you ultimately answered it. Asking, like, who is a comic book character that you see yourself in? And I'm ready to answer... I see a lot of myself in a character like Scott Summers, and it's usually all the negative parts <laughs> of Brad. But then that you want to aspire towards, yeah. that's a little different. Like, who is, like, your attainable goal? Like, if I could be a slightly better person, I could be like this. And and for you, that's Don Greenwood. Right. Who would that be for me? Hmm. There are so many characters that I admire, and I guess the ultimate character that I admire is Kal-El, Superman. Mm. But he is so aspirational that he almost seems unattainable. But that is also the appeal of Superman, is he is a person that you are always aspiring to be, and you never quite get there, but you want to get there, mm. you know? And when you do, you're probably dead. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. So we've answered that question. So yeah, it's now now it's your turn. What's a comic book character that you aspire to be? Congratulations again on, on hundred episodes. episodes. That's really rad. You are doing amazing work. Keep it up. We adore you. We enjoy your company. We are looking forward to seeing you at San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. Maybe eat some tacos. Like a month from now. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is a tough one. And thank you, Brad and Lisa, for the question. I had an absolute blast uh, hanging out with them at last San Diego Comic Con. I was able to go up to WonderCon with Brad this earlier this year, which was super fun, and very excited for this upcoming San Diego Comic Con. They're both fantastic people, and can't wait to hunt those uh, dollar bins with them again. My choice for this is going to be a character that I have loved for a very long time. And have continued to read more and more of their stories. And I would hope to be like this character. And I do see myself in them. It is Beta Ray Bill. He's strong. He's not the strongest. He's smart, but he's not the smartest. But he's always striving to be there for the people that he cares about. He's willing to, to make those, those sacrifices for those around him to do what's right. But there's also this, this sense of sadness around the character too, which is very, very relatable. I'm not saying I'm going around moping everywhere. But, you know, like life is hard. There's sometimes where you look at these heroes and they might have there might just be this unattainable goal of being the strongest, the smartest, the best. And then also always having a great day and a positive personality. He's not having the greatest day. He's exiled from his own people because of the way he looks and he's part of Asgard, but he looks different from them. And so he's not this beautiful God like the rest of them. Kind of feeling like you're a little bit on the outskirts, which is very relatable. And I would hope that I could be the person to be there for others when they needed it. And that's exactly who Beta 
Raybill is. I like that answer. Um, so the two partness of this question is, is interesting. So I aspire to be like, I'm going to go with Martian Manhunter. Um, kind of, I'm, I'm leaning more towards the, uh, Justice League version, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the cartoon, like he's, he's just very calm and collected and like always is doing the right thing. And he's morally kind of, you know, clean and, and he's, he's all about the team and he's all about like how can we support you? And, you know, I just, I love that. Uh, not like, I don't want to talk all like murmur, you know, but, <laughs> but I, I just like his moral compass. I like his, uh, like, I, I need to do the right thing for you, um, which is great. Um, however, the person I see myself in is more chaotic and more all over the place. And, and I'm involved in so many different things and stuff. So, I mean, there's several characters that, are doing too much. You know, they, they basically have social anxiety. They have anxiety from like being torn in all these different ways. I'm going to say Mark Grayson from invincible, even though he's younger, I see a lot of myself in like, he's trying to be with family. He's trying to be a superhero. He's trying to be with the team. He's trying to be in a relationship. And I almost went with Peter Parker, but, but I think Mark is written in a way where he's, it, it shows more of the impact of like how he's, struggling and failing and i definitely see see myself in that um struggle a lot you know just like sometimes i i gotta cut things out or i i, got, I really gotta have those battles with myself you know so to speak yeah those are great answers and for my answer it actually is perfect that brad and lisa asked this question because we've already recorded our uh, crossover that I did with Brad and Lisa that will be on the show in the next, not next episode, but the following one covering beta Ray bill. So it, it's fitting that my answer goes along with the question that they asked. So you can look, everyone that? can look forward to that episode. It was super fun. I want to do an episode with them. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's fun. Next up, we have Mike from the Multiverse of Badness podcast. And he actually joined us on an episode of What Are You Reading? Which was super fun. So let's check out his question. Hello, Lance and Chris from Comic Book Keepers. This is longtime listener Mike from the Multiverse of Badness. And as a comic book fan of distinguished tasting characters, I riddle you this. Which C-lister would you be most excited to see in a possible She-Hulk season two? And which actor would you fall all over yourselves to see play them? That is it. Thank you for awesome weekly episodes and i'll be here for episode 10,000. thanks guys have a good one thanks mike yeah this is a very cool straightforward question i'm gonna go with the beetle or with beetle a uh, marvel character uh specifically the mark ii armor because i really enjoy the design the character is abner jenkins he was originally a part of the masters of evil but then actually ended up joining the thunderbolts so that makes sense because we're getting the Thunderbolts in the MCU very soon as well. And I would choose him to be played by Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson was just the best part of Transformers Rise of the Beasts as Mirage. And I think it would be very fun to see him play this tech-stealing villain-turned-anti-hero. And I think his humor would work very well in the MCU now that we've seen it shown in like a Transformers style setting so yep that's my choice beetle played by pete davidson what do you got chris 
<laughs> and that's awesome. I'm going to pick the kangaroo, a Australian former <laughs> boxer who could jump unusually high. Uh, ironically, we just talked about him on the Miles Morales episode. He's one of the, he's the first villain that Miles went up against. And he's going to be played by Reese Darby, uh, who people might know from like Voltron Legendary Defender cartoon voice. And he's been in like... Um, a lot of the Taika Waititi projects and stuff. And it kind of talks like this and uh, it's very interesting. To, it's just, I think it would be ridiculous and would fit the tone of the, the comedy in, in She-Hulk. So perfect choice. Beetle and kangaroo for the win. Let's go. <laughs> Next up is Nick from none of my friends like comics. He joined our show to cover Nova and I've actually jumped over to his show and we covered a Spider-Man war which was actually the first time I read that story, and I loved it. So let's see what he has prepped for us today. Hey, Chris and Lance. It's your buddy Nick from None of My Friends Like Comics. Firstly, congratulations on 100 episodes of Comic Book Keepers. It's a show I look forward to every single week, and it is made that much better from the fact that you two are the most positive, enthusiastic, and kind guys I've come across in the comic book podcast sphere. Now, for my question, you know I had to go with something that is uh, both untimely and oddly specific. So... What is your favorite comic book based on a previously established piece of mythology or folklore? Thanks again to you both for being such awesome dudes. Here's to 100 more episodes and beyond. Again, another phenomenal show that everyone should go and check out. Uh, my choice was I, I started thinking about like, oh, do I choose Ragnarok from Walter Simonson that was published by IDW, which is a great one. But I landed on the Arthurian mythology based book, Once in Future, by writer Kieran Gillen, artist Dan Mora, and colorist Tamara Bonvillain. This story is phenomenal. It is such a great blend of all these different ideas and concepts from Arthurian mythology. It flips it on its head. You don't expect a lot of the twists and turns. You get a great like grandma-grandson relationship, fighting monsters. Uh, Dan Mora's art and is just elevated by Bonvillain's colors. Kieran Gillen is crushing it on every level with writing in the series. If you have not read Once in Future, it is it's done. The series is over. Go and read it. Get the deluxe edition. The first one's out. The second one I'm hoping is out later this year. But read this series. It's great. So that is my choice. Nice. I'm picking Hellboy by Mike Mignola for obvious reasons. I'm, I've been a big fan of Hellboy for a long time, but I I've always loved how Mignola uses elements from folklore and local folklore from all around the world. Baba Yaga and the Ogdru Jihad and Hecate and the Blood Countess and even like myth about Rasputin and everything like just it's really fun to, to see the little one shot stories and also the overall arcs. Uh, that he tells with Hellboy and basically Hellboy is this vehicle that just kind of comes in and and allows the stories to happen. And um, I, I love the, the the method, the writing team on BPRD and 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 Hellboy use with 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 all the mythology. It just feels like it's seeped in, in myth and lore and everything. So that's that's my go to. Great one. Next up, we have Jared from Punch the Timeline. He joined us for the Havoc episode, which was super fun, all the way back in season one of the show. So let's hear what he's got to ask. Hey, Lance and Chris. It's Jared from Punch the Timeline. Can you teach me that discipline to get to 100 episodes myself? All kidding aside, congratulations on 100 episodes, and I have a question for you. Who is your favorite member of the Justice Society of America? If we're talking original team, Dr. Fate 
if there's later iterations, I love Hawk Girl or Hawk Woman, whatever iteration you want to say. We need to do an episode on that because I'm still confused about who's who because there's different pages about whichever. But yeah, <laughs> Hawk Girl slash Hawk Woman is is the number one. But if we're talking original, then it's Dr. Fate. I'm going to go with Black Canary because she's awesome and she's got that sonic scream and she's got uh, a black leather jacket with fishnets. <laughs> like there's, there's so many cool uh, tellings of her and, and yes. Yeah, so uh, black canary is awesome. Yep. It's the fishnets. It's what gets you. <laughs> it's a bold look. Next question is actually from a friend on Twitter. He has been a longtime listener of the show. He's part of an account that we've become friends with. It's Ethan from Make Mine Amalgam. Twitter page is literally just all about different amalgam characters, as well as the creation of his own universe, which I'll let him explain in his question. Hey guys, this is Ethan from Make Mine Amalgam on Twitter. First off, I want to say I love your show, especially your episodes on alternate universes. Marvel Mangaverse always comes to mind for better or worse. My question is related to my own alternate universe. As you know, I've created an ever-growing universe of original characters out of my Marvel Legends and call it the Fodderverse. I made a villain named Ghostblade and named him Lance Christopher after you guys. My question for each of you is, what is some additional lore you want to add to this character? Looking forward to hearing your answers and maybe some ideas of other heroes and villains Ghostblade can interact with. Congrats on the big 100th episode. Well-deserved. Excited to see what's next for you guys. So yeah, thanks, Ethan. But Chris, someone has made a character based off of us. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it, they have a little picture of, of the figure and he's got this big old sword and, and a cool outfit. And so how would you how would you what lore would you add to this character? When I started thinking of things, I actually came up with a with a concept that was way too close to DC's Katana Soul Taker Sword. <laughs> so I came up with a, a little bit of a shift for that one. So uh, I decided that the blade can make contact with incorporeal entities like ghost spirits, phantoms, as well as other enemies that are able to change their molecular structure to like phase. So if they were trying to phase out of the fight interaction, he's still able to land a hit. Mm. Uh, but a cool element that I would like to incorporate is that if a spirit was present in the vicinity of this character, that Ghostblade would be able to choose to draw in that entity into the blade, imbuing it with powers related to the emotional state that the spirit was in at the time of their passing. So if they were raging, angry, it's going to be a flame or a molten blade. If it was sorrow or sadness when they passed, it's going to be a frost blade. If they were at peace, a radiant blade. And then if they felt nothing, like they just felt nothingness as they passed, it's going to be like a black hole slash gravity blade that would be able to push and pull enemies mid combat. That's cool. Yes, I like it. I like that. Uh, a, a flexible sword that adapts to combat and whatnot. I wrote a bit more of a backstory for him going into the lore. So Lance Christopher is a 20 something employee at a local haunted estate tour of the eccentric billionaire's mansion that died 30 years prior. Uh, All of the other employees bully him. The tourists are rude. And his only friend is an old man that always sits outside in the mansion's abandoned garden. When spirit forces start rising from the graves around town and siphoning power from the locals, Lance 
hides in the garden. But the old man appears, revealing himself as the ghost of the eccentric billionaire, Preston Jeremy III. He opens a vault beneath the hydrangeas and bestows upon the timid young man the ghost blade. At first, the power is intoxicating and the sword causes a transformation in Lance Christopher, making him seek revenge on everyone who wronged him in life or in death. I'm all for it. The ghost blade. Yeah. So, Ethan, thank you so much for creating this character. And everyone, go follow at Make Mine Amalgam on Twitter. He, uh, Ethan posts all these cool images of the different versions of the Marvel Legends that he has, all these different combinations. Uh, the head of our character is actually the Beetle, the exact version of the Beetle that I chose for my iteration to come into the She-Hulk show next season. Next up, we don't have a question, but we do have a message from our buddy Matt from Hopskeek News. What's up, everybody? Matt from Hopskeek News here, and I just want to say a real quick special shout out to Chris and Lance on 100 episodes. It has been such a pleasure becoming friends with this podcast and all of the things that they do, the breadth of knowledge, the wholesomeness. I go to this podcast just to understand what the heck is happening in comic books, and Lance is one of the best human beings that I have ever had the pleasure to meet. Shout out to 100 episodes, and here's to 100 more. Cheers. Thank you so much, Matt, for for sending in that message. Uh, Matt joined us for our Batman Spawn Crisis on Infinite Crossovers episode. A super fun there where we covered the first two crossovers. Uh, we will not be covering the third, and uh, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But yeah, thanks again, Matt, for sending that in. Uh, next up is our final question sent into us and this is from greg from the first issue club hey everyone this is greg from the first issue club podcast wanted to come on here and give my congratulations to chris and lance on their landmark uh celebration 100 episodes guys that's a huge deal um just sit back and realize you've gotten up done your research for 100 episodes about comic book and comic book uh, content and that is a, a huge thing for me because I love listening to you guys uh, and I, I'm now realizing I've listened to you 100 times um, probably more than that because you've been guesting on other podcasts and um, I just can't get enough of uh, Chris and Lance and all the greatness you bring to the comic book community um, so again congratulations to 100 episodes I know you guys are going to do a ton more episodes because you were just um you're crazy about comics, just like us, and that's why we love you guys. Um, my question for you is, what is the most treasured comic book in your collection? Now, I don't mean what's the most expensive or what's the most you know sought after. Like, what what is the book in your collection that means the most to you? Uh, it could be you know a, a fun story connected to the book, or it could be like just you know one you've been searching for a long time and you found it. I'm just I'm just curious. I love knowing about other people's collections, so. Um, yeah, what what is your most treasured book in your comic book collection? Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, I look forward to more episodes uh, from the comic book keepers, and um, keep it up. Everybody, if you do not listen to the First Issue Club, do it immediately. They read all the first issues that recently come out, so you know which books to jump onto. I have picked up multiple series because of their recommendations, and it's been great. So go check out their show, First Issue Club. Nice. My answer to this question I've actually talked about before. I talked about it in our Spider-Man episodes or our second issue we ever did. Probably my most treasured book in my collection is my Amazing Spider-Man 300. So first Venom, because Venom was 
my favorite comic book character for a very, very, very long time. It just through a series of events, I ended up being able to obtain this book before the hype around it. So it wasn't skyrocketingly expensive. Then within a few months, my buddy, uh, my roommate in college, he was like, hey, I'm going to be at Salt Lake Comic Con running a booth. Do you want to help me at the booth? And you can come in for free and do whatever. I was like, sure, that sounds great. I'll go to a con for free. It just so happened that Stan Lee was going to be at this convention. So I was like, well, if Stan Lee's there, I have to meet Stan Lee. So I decided to bring my Amazing Spider-Man 300 to be signed by Stan the Man Lee. This was only two years before he passed away. So he was not feeling the greatest health wise he wasn't as he was smiling at everyone but he wasn't like talking and being very vocal with everyone but it's just something that uh, someone that means so much to the comic book community such a uh, a huge creator to being able to have something like i was in person while he signed that book it means a lot to me i love the character i i love that interaction i had with him so yeah, it's that's an easy choice for me. So Amazing Spider-Man three hundred signed by Stanley. That's great, and I love this. I always like hearing the story behind that. <laughs> um, mine is probably probably the most boring answer because it is <laughs> the uh, it's the comic that everyone has. It's the, the highest selling comic ever, I think, uh, which is X Men number one by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. And the reason it means so much to me is I think it's the first one. It's not the first comic I ever got, but it's the first comic that I was excited to go get. And I wanted to get every single cover of this amazing, you know, like four part cover that Jim Lee did and or five. I'm trying to remember. It's four parts. And then they did an additional one that had the full panorama, but it was like the green background. Yeah, it was the fold out. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was just it blew my mind of just the art and the story. And, and I must've read that, you know, I got a, I got a collector version that I kept sealed and I got another one that I just read over and over and over. And I traced over stuff, you know, looking at it and I would draw the characters and, and this is what I think the book that really was like, I want to do this. Like, I want to, I want to get into this and I, I want to know more about these characters and I want to study the muscle tone and, and uh, it just got me so excited for X-Men and, and more characters and, and comic books in general. So, yeah, that's I, I, it, that's the one that I always kind of think of. Like, I'm I'm glad I got that, you know. Yeah. Do you have all four covers? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's good stuff. Yeah. Chris, that is all of the questions that we have got submitted from yeah, our friends wow. in this amazing community. Thank you again so much to everyone that took the time to record a question. We asked all of you to be a part of this because you, you do mean so much to us. You've helped us grow. You've helped us learn. And we, we truly care about all of you. And we hope everyone reaches out. If you listen to our show, you should absolutely be listening to every single one of these shows that were involved in this episode. It means so much to us. We really yes. appreciate it. And uh, and we, we got a bit of an ego boost with all of the positive messages. So thank you, everybody. Um, I, I know Lance has done a lot of the legwork on meeting a lot of you and talking with you. And I haven't talked with as many of you, but but I feel like I still have a, a great connection just being in this community. And I feel a, a lot of um, a lot of good, good vibes from everybody. So thank you again on behalf of both of us. 
And um, yeah, I think uh, it's 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 really cool just to have, to be part of this. Today, we are thanking everyone that joined in. We are thanking all of our listeners. We're thanking all of our patrons. Thank you so much for supporting our show. Thank you, patrons. To everyone that's left us a review on whatever streaming platform for podcasts you listen to, for every person that's ever downloaded an episode, for everyone that just listens, thank you so, so much. I can't believe we made it to 100 episodes or 100 issues. And I guess we'll see where we go from here. I can't believe we finished recording this episode. It was huge. Oh, my gosh. So uh, it's time to close the book on our giant size 100th issue of Comic Book Keepers. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer. Closer.